If this is the first time you've been to a men's breakfast, we typically do worship. We're not going to do worship this morning. Um, we're going to hear from Jake Skifskad in just a, a minute. He's a police officer with the Colorado Springs Police Department. Then he started a really neat organization called Shield 616 that he's going to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, I want to highlight a couple different things. This summer, we've got, I know you've probably heard about fire teams, uh, but as I meet with guys, sometimes guys are like, hey, I, I just, I need to get connected. I've got acquaintances, I've, I, there are people that I work with that I know, but there aren't three or four guys that I'm really walking with, these guys who really, they know my story, they know where I'm at now. And so this is the purpose of a fire team. The basic idea is we're stronger together. It's, not, it's just not God's design for us to walk alone. But we have to be intentional with that. It just doesn't typically happen. And so we've got several groups, fire team groups, meeting this summer. That's a good opportunity to get plugged in, to be intentional, and uh, to have some guys that you're genuinely walking with and pursuing growth uh, in, the, in a community of other men. The other thing I want to highlight on the back is this September, so the dates are September 9th to the 11th, we're having a men's mountain advance. And so it's going to be a retreat up in the, the mountains at Bear Trap Ranch. So the first, uh, it'll start Friday evening, probably about 6.30ish, and then we'll wrap up Sunday morning. But it's going to be a fun weekend. There's going to be a lot of different adventure type activities going on, uh, but it'll be refreshing too. I know during the week you guys have enough going on, right? Or just the demands of work and family and everything. We want this to be a weekend where you're refreshed, where you get away with an open heart and just let God encourage you and refresh you and renew you. So uh, space is limited because we're going to Bear Trap Ranch. They can't hold uh, as many people as we've had in the past. And uh, if you are interested in registration is open on the website, uh, newlifechurch.org and uh, the men's page on the website. Okay, the last thing I want to highlight real quickly. So Father's Day is coming up uh, June 19th. And one of the things we're going to have here uh, at New Life is we're going to have a little car show in the south parking lot and some food trucks. So after service, you can go out there and check out some cars and, and uh, eat some barbecue out of a food truck. Uh, so we've got some cars lined up, but if you... If you have an antique car that typically you take to car shows, or you know of somebody who does, uh, pick one of these up at the table on your way out, and you can email Adam Maliski, who is uh, coordinating that, and he's open to taking more cars. So if you have a car, or you know somebody who does, reach out to him, and, and uh, would love to have your car featured in the car show. All right, Jake, come on up here. Like I said, uh, Jake is an officer here in the Springs, founder of Shield 616, and I want you to hear the story of this, and then we'll unpack it a little bit more uh, in just a little bit, and then we'll close out our time this morning. We'll be wrapped up by 7.30 for those of you who have to get to work, but we're going to close out our time by praying for first responders in Colorado Springs and El Paso County. And so, uh, first of all, Jake, good morning. Thanks for being here. Why don't you just start by telling us about you and your story and how you ended up here in the Springs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I want to say I have a 2008 Ford Crown Vic police car drive. Okay. So if you're looking for antique cars, <laughs> I got one. It doesn't, it doesn't have a good uh, paint job, though. Um, 
So I'm originally from northern Minnesota, International Falls, right on the border of Canada. So if I have some long O's, you'll understand why. Um, how I ended up out here, I actually have a brother and a cousin on the Colorado Springs Police Department. Uh, my cousin is uh, the lieutenant over the uh, tactical unit. And then my brother's a sergeant here out of the Falcon Division for one of our impact teams. And they were both out here and uh, kind of recruited me to come out. And I came out here and I enjoyed the mountains and the good weather over the, the mosquitoes and the humidity back yeah. in Minnesota. So we came out back in 2004. They can carry you away. That's crazy. It could happen. Yeah. It could happen. So uh, tell us about Shield 616. What is it? How did it come to be? I think it's a neat story. I want these guys to hear the story behind it. Absolutely. And it's been, it's been a long story that goes all the way back to December in 2007. Um, like I said, I came on here in 2004, but uh, in December 2007, I was working the day that uh, the active gunman came here at New Life. And um, so I was part of that. And um, being in here, seeing what happened, um, I think most of you know that you know, your uh, plainclothes security officer stopped that threat before law enforcement could even get here. And, but being in here, seeing those holes in the walls, seeing the glass shattered, learning about the family, um, that had a big impact on me. And you know, as a police officer, we always hear about the, uh, the big active shooters that go on around the country. You learn a little bit of information about them, and then you move on. Um, it's not really until you experience one where, where you can actually come in and be like, really sense and feel what happened. And um, one of the things that I learned uh, and that really hit me was, um, you know, seeing the suspect in here and, and seeing what kind of firepower he had, the ammunition he had. And some of the other ones that were happening around the country, the country that same time, um, you know, it, 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 kind of, it, it kind of bugged me that, um, you know, I didn't have protection against a rifle, you know, these assault style rifles that they commonly use, um, we have nothing against that. Uh, we wear our soft vest that gives us handgun protection, but it will do nothing against these um, rifle calibers that they often bring. And so I remember going home that night, well actually it was, ended up being the next morning, um, and just talking to my wife going, man, you know, if, if I'm going to be that first officer on scene and I'm expected to do something, I have no protection if I'm going in there, you know, and I was talking with her, and so I just started doing some research online, trying to find, you know, is there a rifle rate of protection that's out there, and obviously there is, um, in, a, in a vest, in a way that I could carry it um, quickly and put it on quickly, um, and I quickly found that most of the stuff was custom made for military, for SWAT teams, then um, there were even vests that were made for airsoft and paintball. But there was nothing really designed, as far as a carrier, that was designed for the street cop. Something that you could really quickly put on and um, not only have that rifle protection, but also have the gear that you might need that you're normally not carrying on your uniform. And so I ended up just piecing together, and I'll kind of condense this down, I ended up just piecing together a vest that worked for the most part. It ended up being a, a military vest and got some used armor on Craigslist from a, a guy that was retiring from the military and, um, and got it approved through the department to deploy it if the situation warranted it. And, uh, well, as soon as I started using it, of course, other officers were seeing it and they wanted it. And, uh, and so they were asking, Hey, can you get me one? I was like, well, I kind of pieced it together. I got stuff on Craigslist. And, um, so I ended up finding some different armor online from a company and it's expensive. And, but, uh, long story short, um, 
I ended up forming a business. Um, and what we were doing is we kind of pieced together a vest and we were selling it to law enforcement and um, started selling them all over the country. And these were just individual officers that were buying them. And most departments don't have the budget to buy this type of gear. Um, that's kind of very specialized for certain situations. Um, and so the individual officer was by far the ones that were buying it. And, and that was going well. Um, and then uh, just after the, after the Aurora theater shooting, um, those guys approached me and uh, obviously with what they went through. And they were like, hey, we want your vest. And I thought, you know, you know what? It's time that we design something designed by street cops for street cops. And so with their help, with the guys down here and from actually all around the country, we kind of just tweaked the vests a little bit, made it more a little bit officer friendly, uh, made it so that you can be wearing this vest and still be able to drive a car, um, you know, have your gun slung quick, and I can actually get all my gear on uh, and have my rifle slung and ready in 19 seconds. And when, you know, you're thinking 19 seconds, um, a lot can happen in 19 seconds. and. Uh, a lot of harm can happen, and so we got to be able to get something on as fast as possible because we got to be able to get in here and start addressing those threats. And so, and so we did that, and it was going well. And um, <clears throat> from the get-go, uh, I was pro proclaiming Christ as my business partner. We were tithing 20%, and things were going good. You know, God blessed that minister, that business from the get-go, and it was a little about a year, about close to a year and a half now. You know, God just. I, just started tugging on my heart, and I started having some extreme discontent with my business. And, you know, here I am, you know, a cop and a successful business owner, but I wasn't happy with it. It wasn't content. I just felt like God was saying, Jake, you're not doing enough for my glory. And, uh, and so I started uh, praying. I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, so I, I immediately thought that he was wanting me to start ministering to cops. And I was really struggling with the thought of how am I supposed to, one employee of my business, how am I supposed to minister to a large amount of cops? And how am I supposed to minister to cops around the country that I'm never going to see or speak to? And so <clears throat> I started uh, praying and struggling with it and didn't know how I was going to do that. And, of course, that's where I, I was failing was I, I, I. I couldn't figure it out. And so um, Pastor uh, Rick Warren has some uh, sermons online and one day I was doing some paperwork in my police car and and normally I, I click on one or just whatever and just kind of listen to it in the background and and I normally don't listen to sermons usually it's music and well this day I just it, it was a f right on YouTube the front thing I was like huh and uh and it was talking about when God gives you a vision and so I was like well maybe God's tugging on my heart may want, want me to do something so I clicked on it and started working on an accident report and well, before I knew it, you know, here I am just watching this video. And I was like, this is exactly what I'm going through. And, and he talks about when God is going to give you a vision, it's going to be bigger than what you can handle. And it's going to be that way because he wants you to, re to rely on him and, and have faith in him that he's going to be able to come through. And, and you're not going to be able to handle it yourself. And I was like, okay, I think this is where I'm at. And so I really started praying specifically that uh, God would show me or bring me those resources that I needed. And... Uh, just started praying. And so the one day we had a conversation with a guy. He said, hey, have you ever thought about making a nonprofit and getting the stuff donated? And, and I was joking around with him. I was like, if you saw how I started my business, um, you would re quickly realize I have no clue how to form a nonprofit, let alone a business. And uh, so I just kind of brushed it to the side. And um, over the course of four weeks at our church, I go to Lathia Church. We meet at Pine Creek High School. And I, and I, and I tease my pastors because of this. But uh, for three weeks, it was four weeks, but for the first three weeks, I, I left the sermon, and all I could remember was the concept of a relationship. 
None of the sermons were highlighting relationships or were about relationships, but I keyed on when they were talking about a relationship, and that's all I remembered. And so I was like, okay, God, you're telling me something about a relationship. Um, didn't know exactly what it was. And the next week, um, I, was, I had an awesome God moment. One of the, one, I've been a believer a long time. I was really young when I came to know Christ. And one of the coolest God moments I had, I was sitting in church in the middle of the service. And it was just like God hit me right over the head. And, uh, and, and the light bulb turned on. All my doubt I had, all the questions I had were answered with such clarity. It was totally awesome. So I'm sitting in church, and, and I, I'm thinking about this relationship thing again. And God basically told me, Jake, I don't want you to be the one that is going to be ministering to these police officers. I don't want you to be having to find, you don't have to go find literature to include with your vests. And I want you to be a bridge between local community members and the local officer. And I want you to be a bridge specifically for the church and the department. And what we want to do is we want this ministry to um, provide, open a door for the church to penetrate government. And what that looks like is he wants us to contact members of the local community that can go and not only financially invest in a police officer and get them this life-saving gear that they may need, but also we want those same donors to act as a support group um, to encourage that officer that they're donating to. We want to start a relationship between the citizen and the officer. And God made it really clear to me that, you know, how important the church was going to be. And because I want to make sure that we're getting believers stepping up that can not only be supporting them, encouraging them, but will take the relationship part serious. That will be encouraging them, praying for them daily, wanting to get them in the seats of this church. And so I got that and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's totally awesome. You know, I don't have to minister to all these officers. That's not for me to do. And, and so I was, I was starting to think about it. I was like, man, I wonder how, what the church is going to think of this. You know, I wonder what the departments are going to think of this. You know, the whole separation of church and state and, and all this stuff. How, how is the department going to be receptive to this? And so shortly after that, um, I started going through some extremely violent calls uh, at work here in the Springs. And they just seemed to get significantly worse. And uh, the first one uh, was in, in, it was in July, I ended up, uh, I was involved in a, uh, a high-speed chase with a, uh, one of our uh, homicide suspects, and um, at rush hour, of course, going the wrong direction, um, miracle we didn't kill anybody, but we ended up uh, pitting his car, we forced him to crash in the T-Mobile parking lot just down the street here. Um, well, he got out running, and as soon as we bailed out of our car, I looked to my left, and they must have been having a shift change because the whole parking lot was full of people. And here's a homicide suspect. Um, and I was like, I can't let this guy get to these people. And so as I'm chasing after him, I'm like, in my head, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to shoot this guy. He can't get to these people. And um, it's really hard to run at a fast pace while trying to keep your gun steady. And, uh, and so I, I wasn't gaining on him. I wasn't looting, but I wasn't gaining. So what I ended up doing, it looked like he was going to try and run into the T-Mobile. So I kind of went to the left a little bit, went really hard, way far, or much farther than what a normal officer would be doing if they were chasing him. And, well, that's when he starts going for his waistband. He's trying to get something out of his waistband. So I was like, okay, here we go. He's trying to get his gun out, and it's about to be a shootout. And so he loops around a Jeep, and I'm way to his left now, so, I could, so he's looking back. And there was another officer that was with me in another car, and he was running up. And so I was like, okay, you know, oh, gosh, he's, he's that guy. And so I hurry and come around, and I start pressing forward towards him. He's still messing with his waistband, and I get a little bit farther away from us away, and he had no clue I was there. And um, I walked up to him, and I told him, 
I told him I was going to kill him and uh, if he didn't do what I, what I told him to do. And thankfully he did. Um, we were able to get him in custody. But um, after that, I was just like, my gosh, the stress of this job, the, you know, the adrenaline. And, and God was just like, Jake, we need to get this ministry. We got to start getting to cops. We got to start saving cops. And because uh, as a police officer, you don't know when it's your last day. You don't. You don't know what you're going to deal with that day. And so there was just, he started putting this sense of urgency in my heart of, we got to get to these cops. Not only do we have to save them physically, but man, we got to start saving them spiritually. And so I, I went on, you know, just kept going along. And um, so I, I approached my church and started talking to the pastors and the elders about it. And, you know, of course, they were like kind of blown away by it, but they're like, of, of course we want to support our law enforcement. You know, this is, this is an amazing idea. And, and uh, so we started talking about how this should look, how we could do it. And, and, uh, and so we were just kind of, just kind of putzing along almost. And, um, and then uh, a week before, or I think it was two weeks before Black Friday. Um, well, let me, let me back up. So July, we ended up deciding to form the nonprofit and applied for the 501c3. Um, the, the attorney's office told us it would be roughly February, this past February, that we'd maybe get our 501c3 status and could operate. And so I was like, okay, well, we got plenty of time. That's eight months away. Um, and so we were just kind of putzing along. And, and uh, so two weeks before... Black Friday, um, I was involved in a call over on um, Flying W in the Rockerman area where there was a guy walking down the street, callers came in saying he was carrying a rifle. And, and so I was one of the officers dispatched to that and just as I was arriving, uh, the two first officers that were there ended up having to shoot him. And uh, they ended up shooting him with a shotgun. And so as I pulled up, I could see the officers, I could see the suspect laying in the road. And uh, so I hurry up and ran back to my vest, um, kind of the stuff that we carry back there and ripped off my uh, trauma kit because the threat was over and you know we obviously have a responsibility to provide medical aid not only just to a victim but also to a suspect if the threat's over and so I grabbed my trauma kit ran up to him he was laying in the road and you can imagine how big shotgun holes are in somebody so we ended up using quick clot um, plugging him up and we ended up saving his life getting him to the hospital um, and so I couldn't help but think, in, in, in knowing these two officers, you know, friends, and I was like, God just put it on my heart again. I was like, man, these guys need this gear. And just that sense of urgency is we got to get this ministry going. You got, I got to start going. And, and uh, just had just like, man, I just wish I could hurry up and get my 501c3 status. Doggone it. And so went, kept going along. And that next week, week before Plan, uh, Planned Parenthood, we ended up getting our 501c3 status way ahead of schedule. And I didn't realize the significance of that, um, you know, before Planned Parenthood. And so, so I was like, oh, cool, we got it way ahead. So we can bump up our launch date. We'll make it a clean January 1, 2016, we'll launch. And that'll give us time to have the website ready, have all the bugs worked out, and uh, get business cards and, and get going and start networking. And, and so I was like, cool, well, here we go. And I had some family coming to town right after that, and so for the holidays, for Thanksgiving. And so we went through the holiday, and, and uh, Black Friday comes along, and... Our wives are out there shopping, um, and uh, I, got, I wasn't on call for the tactical team um, that week, and, uh, but I still had my uh, phone at home, and my phone rang. The paging system went off on my phone, and I just glanced at it and said, active shooter, uh, officer down. At, uh, the page I got, it said um, Planned Parenthood and uh, King Supers um, over there off Centennial, so I thought we maybe had multiple active shooters. And so I remember just thinking, I was like, oh, man. Um, 
that's, that's, that's pretty bad. And I was like, you know what, they're probably going to need more SWAT officers than less. And so I, I ended up calling my brother, who um, wasn't working, uh, the sergeant, and I said, hey, you know, Luke, there's an active gunman going on, just so you know. And their officers are down. And, uh, and then obviously my cousin Dan, he was I knew he'd be responding for the tactical unit. Um, so I decided to respond. Um, didn't have a radio, didn't have anything, didn't know what was going on, didn't have my police car at home. So I ran out to my truck to drive to the station to get my stuff, and my truck wouldn't start. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. So I ended up grabbing my wife's Honda Pilot with the car seats in it and drove like a madman to the Falcon Police hey, Station. bring that to the car show, too. Oh, <laughs> we could. Um, drove like a madman. I can't even imagine the people were like, look at that person in that car. You know, gee whiz, what a horrible example. And... Uh, but I had no communication, I had no idea what was going on. And it took me about 15 minutes to get to the police station, get all my gear, get my, other, my normal police car, and that, before I could turn a radio on and listen to what was going on. And so as I'm booging down the interstate, I can quickly tell that they're still not in the building yet. And as you know, with an active gunman, we want to get to that threat as soon as possible to stop it. And I was like, man, it's been 15 minutes, and they're still not even in this building. I was like, what is going on? And I could tell that some of the SWAT guys were already there, and a lot of patrol cops were there. I was like, what on earth? And so I couldn't figure it out. So I'm going down the interstate, and it just seemed like, it seemed like every minute they were coming across somebody that was shot. You know, we would have an officer um, say that they were shot, needed rescue. Um, and I was just like, man, this is bad. What? I just could not, I couldn't visualize. I knew what Planned Parenthood was. I could visualize the, the, the surrounding area, but I was like, why is this going down like this? This, you know, this isn't how active gunmen go down. And, and so I finally get on scene throw all my tactical gear on, and the uh, armored vehicle was just coming back, and I hopped in that. And um, Unfortunately, I can't talk about a lot of the specific details that happened because we're still under a gag order. Um, it was one of those exceptions where the active gunman actually lived. Um, and so, but, um, but there's a couple things I can talk about when being in there. Um, so when we're in there... Um, Throwing flashbangs, you know, the gunfire, um, rescuing victims, rescuing officers. Um, I just remember being, in, first, of, first of all, being in that armored vehicle, just praying, going, man, alive, I'm so thankful. I remember just thinking, man, I know, I'm glad I know Jesus. And, uh, and I just, in looking through the bulletproof windows, I was looking at all the officers out there, and I was like, man, man, I wonder if these guys know Jesus. And, and so through this horrible incident, I mean, absolutely horrible. And when I say I was terrified out of my mind, that doesn't even do it justice. Um, I ended up uh, going in as an entry one of the entry teams uh, a little bit later on and was in the building during a lot of those shootouts uh, with the suspect. And I ended up being in the front of the stack because the rifle I was carrying was a little bit bigger and heavier duty than the normal the subcompact machine guns that they normally carry. Um, we were starting to think, okay, we're going to have to start sh shooting through walls to get to this guy. And uh, so I, I remember being at the front guy behind this little ballistic shield, about two feet wide, about four feet tall. And that was the only one we had at the moment because during the previous shootouts, they had dropped them, they fell back. We, we had one, and there were eight of us trying to hide behind it. So we looked like a mule train, all lined up trying to hide behind this one shield. And I remember just leaning out there, and I could hear him reloading his guns couldn't make movements. I can't go into detail why, but, you know, basically we kind of had him pinned down, but he also had us kind of pinned down for what we were trying to do. And I remember being behind that shield, terrified out of my mind, thinking, first of all, why did I choose to come in today? I didn't have to. Um, but second of all, just started, just, you know, I was praying for my family, and it was a couple of those moments when 
was like, I might not go home tonight. I mean, this is really bad. And a lot of the random gunfire that was happening hitting our officers. And, and I was the first guy, so I knew the way we were positioned when he came around that corner, it was going to be one-on-one, me, me against him. And was he just going to quickly stick his gun out and just unload? Was he going to get a lucky shot, you know? And, um, and so scared spitless, you guys. And I just remember praying, God, give me peace. God, give me your guardian angels. I need them right now. And I can just remember thinking, though, praying for all the other officers. Lord, save these officers. They need you. Save them. Give them another chance. And, and so the, the whole situation, you know, a long one, five hours. You don't see active gunmen last that long. And it was horribly miserable in there the whole time. And well, afterwards, after we ended up getting him in custody, um, after the whole thing's done, we ended up staging the SWAT team and our canine unit, the whole canine attachment that was there. We ended up just staging, and it looked like an operating room in Planned Parenthood. And I just remember thinking, where am I? What just happened? Um, trying to figure out, oh my gosh, how are all my brothers that have been shot? How are all these other victims that have been shot? And and before we left, they decided to pray. So here we are. Visualize this. A full SWAT team in all of our tactical gear, full canine team, in Planned Parenthood in an operating room, holding hand in hand, fighting back tears, praying. And at that moment, I was like, these guys need Jesus. And I was like, good's going to come from this. If we can be in here praying in Planned Parenthood in an operating room, praying to Jesus, he's going to do something good from this. And so... So that night I ended up getting home late and my ears were ringing so bad just from all the, the flashbangs and the gunfire and it was like I had heavy metal headphones on and couldn't sleep. I was awake all night and just trying to process what on earth did I just go to and I was getting a lot of text messages, updates about the officers that have been shot and, and uh, so that night, you know, another cool God moment, God spoke to me and he's like, Jake, how bad do these have to get for you to launch this ministry? And I was like, hopefully no more than this, holy smokes. And so I was like, okay, I, I, I got your sign, God. And so the next morning I called my pastor, who's also one of my board members for the ministry, and I said, you know, Adam, I, we can't wait. I know that we don't have the website running yet. I don't even have business cards, but we got to start, we got to launch this. We got to start getting the gear to coming in. We got to start networking because these guys, these cops need this gear, but they need Jesus even more. And so, um, so Adam asked me to speak at church the next day, that next Sunday, and he's like, Let's talk a little bit about what happened at Plant and Parenthood, but that's also, I'm going to give you time to talk about the ministry and roll it out to the congregation. We wanted the, my church to kind of be the tip of the spear, and they, they said they were going to be uh, supporting us, and, but they wanted us to roll it out to the congregation. And so, But he goes, hey, can you please talk about Planned Parenthood, but uh, it's, a, it's a children's service, so keep it G-rated. And I go, well, Adam, I'm going to be honest with you, nothing really G-rated happened. And so, um, so we get to the service, and I ended up speaking the whole service the whole hour, rolling out what Shield 616 is and kind of going into a little bit more detail than what I'm going about today. But I remember talking on stage about an officer. I said, imagine what it would look like if one of these officers that had just been shot two days ago had a support group of believers behind him that were there not to do favors for him and his family, but were there to serve him with whatever he needed. And I was thinking of one of our SWAT guys in particular. Didn't mention his name. I was like, what would it look like if we could come alongside him and take care of him and his family? And after the service, I had a gal come up to me and uh, was really excited. She's like, I want to do this. I want to sponsor a cop. And I was like, awesome. It was our, it was our first sponsorship. And she's like, I want to do, can we do specific cop or specific agency? And I was like, yeah. And, and she's like, well, I want to sponsor this officer. And I was like, holy smokes, that's the officer I was talking about on the stage. And I was like, how do you know him? And, and she goes, well, he's my neighbor. 
and we've, we babysit his kids. And I was like, that's who I'm talking about on stage. So the, the one cop that needed it the most at that exact moment was our first sponsorship. So those guys, the neighbors, were able to come alongside him, start taking care of him and his family. And when I say him and his family, I really mean it's not just the officer. That family was traumatized also. It's a miracle that that officer didn't die. He got shot just below his right butt cheek and came out right here. He basically had a, a six-inch hole right here for the most part. And so, yeah, as you can imagine, you have major arteries going through there, and it's a miracle he didn't bleed out within a couple minutes. And so, so his family and his daughters were traumatized by it. And so, so they were able to come alongside him. And, you know, it's winter. Shovel his driveway. Holiday's coming. You know, help him with rides. Whatever they needed, they were there for them. And I've been able to get some cool text messages from the, this gal at church and showing where he's like, you know, i got a different outlook on life now. Thank you so much for what you're doing for our family. And thank you for giving me that little cross. You know, I brought it to work and it's in my office now. And I'm keeping that card in my wallet, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And I was like, that's what this needs to be about. This is about Jesus. This is what we're going to do. And when I see him at work, he, he just, he's always thanking me, hey, thanks for what you're doing. This, this is totally awesome. And he's not a believer yet. And so it's like, we got to keep going. We've got to yeah. keep getting to this guy. Yeah, there's so, so. Much, so much about this story that I love. And I, I, I think it's amazing how you saw the need and you knew God was stirring something in you. And then you acted on it. And as I was praying this morning, I think that there are men here this morning, you see a need in your sphere, in your world. You see a need. God has opened your eyes to see something, and I believe he's wanting you uh, to proceed with that. He'll meet you in the process. But if he's showing you something, if there's something that you can't shake and you think it's from God, just like you said, he said, how much longer are you going to wait? Exactly. Yep. And, you know, so we, we rolled out the ministry and, and I was concerned about the department. How are they going to re be receptive to this? You know, it, it's, it's faith-based. And on the inside of each vest, um, so Shield 616 comes from Ephesians 616 where it talks about taking up the shield of faith. That's sewn on the inside of every officer's vest. So, because we, when, we, when they put this vest on, we want them to be reminded to be praying, but also be reminded if they're going into that situation alone, they're not alone. They've got a support group of people that are praying for them and their family. Regardless of the outcome, they're going to be taken care of. Their family's going to be taken care of. And so I was really concerned. I was wondering what the chiefs were going to think. And so I ended up getting a meeting with them. And, it, and the, as you can imagine, this was right after Black Friday. They were unbelievably busy with everything going on. And so my cousin Dan got me a meeting with one of the deputy chiefs. And so I went up there and said, this is what I want to do. This is what it's going to look like. What are your thoughts? And... I truly thought he was going to cry. Um, he was so blown away by the fact that we wanted to not only get the officers gear that they needed, that they can't afford, but also that we're going to focus also on building new relationships between the officers and the community. And so they were like, Jake, absolutely, we support this 100%. You know, and thank you so much for doing it. And uh, to this day, they support us. And, and so I've had other agencies call, call me. Um, El Paso County, one of the top deputies over there called and was basically pleading, Jake, will you please include my deputies with this program? And it's like, absolutely we will. And so I just feel like the gates have been swung open yeah. for us to penetrate government, local law enforcement. And, and we don't have to be bashful or hide behind that, yeah, this is what we're doing, but we're also, you know, faith-based. I can bring this in there, and they're totally yeah. open receptive to it. And I can tell you the officers are receptive to yeah. it. Um, the non-believers, the, the, the thanks that we're getting for what we're trying to do, 
they're very, very encouraged and excited. And the, the officers wanted to be here this morning. I just want to talk about that just real quick. And, um, and so we're just blessed and we're grateful. We're getting our first 50 vests out uh, this week. And, um, and so what we wanted to do is there's all these different, you know, churches and organizations and people that wanted to have their officers come and be presented with their gear. And I was like, that'd be totally awesome. Absolutely. And well, I quickly found out, I was like, there's no way on earth I'm going to be able to pull 50 cops off the street to come get this stuff. There's, that's not going to happen. And so we were originally planning on doing that. And, and so I talked to the chief. I was like, this isn't going to fly, is it? And he's like, no, we can't get that many cops off the street. And they were like, we got to find a way because they want this relationship part. They really do. They really support what we're doing. So what we had to decide was let's bring all the gear in for all the people to see and let's pray over that gear. But uh, So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be donating the gear to that officer at his lineup. And I invite any of you guys, if you want to come see him get presented his gear, we'd love to have you there, show of support, and know that you know he's, not only is he getting life-saving gear, but he's got the support group of people behind him that are going to be taking care of him and his family. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So New Life is sponsoring three officers. So Joe Wyatt, who's right back here in the green. You want to wave, wave Joe? Officer You're not Wyatt. supposed to be here, by the way. <laughs> but we're glad you are. Yeah. Uh, officer Tim Kippel and Officer Gary Dress. Those are the three officers. So they're going to have what, what? So the vest, what else goes into that? Yeah, um, so we, we really thought it out. It was like, okay, if we're dealing with an active gunman or even with a lot of these extreme crowd control situations that you're seeing around the country, I want to make sure they're getting the best gear, the best coverage. And so it's the ballistic helmet, it's ballistic glasses, it's the vest carrier, it's the, the rifle-rated armor, level 4 armor-piercing rifle-rated armor. It is a gunshot wound trauma kit. One of the things that we did in Planned Parenthood is we used a lot of our own trauma kits on people that we were coming across that were shot. Well, when we use our own trauma kit on somebody, now I don't have anything for me if I have to self-treat myself. And so we want to make sure that every officer has his own trauma kit. So if, God forbid, an officer goes down, I can use his trauma kit on him. And we're also getting extra trauma kits donated to the armored vehicles. So if we have a mass situation, they're going to have tons of trauma kits available to us that can be getting brought in. So it's the trauma kit. We're also including an optic, a monocular. We want to be able to see our threat from a distance away. Planned Parenthood was a prime example. If you think of where Planned Parenthood is, you get a building with basically wide open for the most part around it. So we can't get right up on that building and see where our threat is. We want them to be able to see where their, where their threat is coming from. Um, and then how it works is if you sponsor an officer, the donor's going to get um, a magnet that they can put on their fridge with their officer's name to be reminded to be praying for them daily. They're also going to get one of our coffee tumblers. That's how we do our advertising. When we present the vest to the officer, um, we really want to encourage the sponsors to be there so that we can have that face-to-face -face introduction because we really want this to, to start into a, a good relationship between the officer and their donor. And so um, when we give the officer his, his gear, we're going to talk about it, but we're also going to talk about, hey, these are the guys that financially invested in you. Each of those kits back there retail costs just under $2,500. Um, we're getting them for 1000 so it's $1,000 to sponsor a police officer. So we tell that officer, hey, these guys invested a lot of money into you. You know, they want to love you. They want to encourage you. They might want to send you a gift card for coffee or for, take you for lunch. So please reach out to them. Please start that communication. And that we want to give that donor, that believer, an opportunity, a communication way to start to start that relationship, hopefully start that ministry. So Yeah, God is all over the story. And so I just bless you, Jake. Well Thank done you. for recognizing what... God was doing what, what he was leading you to do, and then your obedience and your faithfulness to walk it out. Thank you. So well done. Well, we're going to wrap up by praying uh, over Jake and Officer Wyatt, and then 
uh, if you can stick around for a few minutes, there are prayer points at each table to cover uh, first responders in Colorado Springs and El Paso County. So, uh, Jeff, Cal, you want to come up? Jeff is our director of life safety here at New Life. And uh, so you'll see if you're, of course, here on a Sunday, we have officers here. Officer Wyatt is here all the time on Sundays. And so I'm so thankful that they're here protecting us. And um, the other thing I want to highlight about this is with the three officers that New Life is sponsoring, there's a fire team that's going to take each officer and just cover them in prayer to make sure that not only are, you know, not only are we providing the, the gear and the armor, but we're, like Jake is saying, we're covering them uh, in prayer. So, Jeff, you want to pray for Jake and uh, Joe? I'd just like to say briefly what a treat it is to be able to help in some small way the people that go out of their way day in and day out to help us. Uh, these officers are friends. Uh, we know them off-duty as well, and they're part of our New Life family. So we, we just leapt at the chance to do anything. I remember getting deployed to Iraq with a Vietnam-era flak vest and feeling kind of naked. And then there were soldiers' parents that were actually mail-ordering point-blank body armor to them in Kuwait so they would have something because the government couldn't, couldn't produce it. So this, this opportunity is wonderful, and I just... Uh, it's just fun. I love when God lets us do things that are a little bit of fun. He kind of opens the door a little and lets us see a glimpse of heaven. So uh, it's just a blessing. So with that, I'd like to, um, I'd like to pray for, for this whole program and these officers. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to serve. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be a light in our city. Lord, I just, I just thank you for these officers, Lord, that, that serve us and protect us. Lord, that would gladly give their lives for us. We just take it for granted so often, but we, but we want to stop here and just let you know how wonderful that is and how much we are thankful to them and to you for this. Lord, this armor, this equipment, this preservation, this life preserver, Lord, we ask that you put your blessing on it and that you would connect it to them and that you would give them the wisdom and the strength and the purpose and the peace to be able to use it Lord, for your glory, use it for, to protect your sheep. Lord, and we just, we just thank you again for these officers, for these friends of ours. Lord, I, I thank you for Jake and his program. Lord, I, I just think it's great when you can make inroads into places that are hard to get into. Lord, and uh, just give him strength, give him purpose, fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him divine opportunity everywhere he turns so that your light could go out. Because what we're really trying to do, Lord, is help people know you so they can be saved eternally. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the men here. We thank you for the, the relationships we have with each other. And we thank you for this church, a place where we can come and glorify you. Lord, put your blessing over all of this. Give your strength and power and peace to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, can we thank Jake for being here this morning and for what God is doing?